Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of 2 Peter. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. You may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. And now, here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We are continuing in our study of the second general epistle of Peter. And when we finish in just a short time with the last three verses of chapter 1, we'll get a a start on chapter 2. Allow me to... Read verse 19, 20, and 21 of chapter 1 of Second Peter. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first that no prophecy of the scripture is of private interpretation. It says any private interpretation. And it talks there about private origination. It's not originated privately in the heart of man. This is God's word that has been passed on to us. Verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, But holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. The more sure word of prophecy is the scripture, of course. The scripture is written, and they were written, by holy men of God as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. These are about 40 men that were used of God to write the 66 books, what we have as 66 books, in the Bible. They had their own personalities. They had their own distinctivenesses. They had distinction of who they were and how they looked at things. They had a particular style in their writing. But the Holy Spirit controlled the process. He brought things to the writers' minds, into their memories, as it shows us in John sixteen thirteen. And the Holy Spirit ensured that they recorded the very word of God. All scripture is given by inspiration according to 2 Timothy 3.16. You may remember that Jeremiah wanted to quit. And God encouraged him and his spirit, God's spirit, compelled him to go on. You find that story in Jeremiah 20, verse 9. Jonah at first refused to take God's message to Nineveh, but later obeyed God's second call, as found in Jonah 3, 1. As we who are Christians in this modern age read the Bible, we can be confident that it is the very word of God that we are reading. The very word. Word of God. Human beings were moved by the Holy Spirit and they wrote God's inerrant 
infallible, authoritative word. And that is what Peter says here in verse 19 of chapter 1, a more sure word of prophecy. Let's talk about chapter 1 for just a moment. Is it seeming to you that we're living in the last days, the days when it seems dark around us? It seems that sin is abounding everywhere. When you talk about what's going on in the world, you become discouraged, perhaps. You become distraught, perhaps. Well, the world looked dark, and sin seemed to be abounding everywhere in the time of Peter. In fact, during Peter's day, the young Christians, no doubt, saw the world as a very dark place, just as we do today. Peter, thinking of this, I think, my opinion, he decided that he didn't want them to be discouraged by the outlook on the world as it was. So Peter showed them how to escape the corruption that is in the world through lust there in verse 4 of chapter 1. And here it is. God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Verse 3 of chapter 1. God has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We must appropriate it for ourselves. Take the situation of a criminal. In the old days, there would be a hanging for someone who had done a heinous crime. Let's think that a messenger may come to them and say, the governor's taken your case into consideration. Here's a purse of $1,000. And the criminal would probably say, what good is that to me? I'm to be hanged tomorrow, so what good is $1,000? Maybe then he has another message that says, the governor's considered your estate, your concern, the possibility of you being condemned to death for your crime, and the hanging that is to come, and so he sent you a million dollars. The condemned man would shake his head and say, what can I do with that? I'll be hanged tomorrow. What good is a million dollars? Well, let's suppose the messenger went on with a message and said, stop, I have another offer to make. I've brought you the governor's own inauguration robe for you to wear with special favor. The condemned man would then burst into tears as he says, do you intend to mock me? How would I appear ascending to the steps of the gallows wearing the governor's own robe? Then the messenger says, I have one more message for you, sir. The governor has sent you a pardon. What do you say? to that news. This poor condemned man looks at him and says he doesn't believe it. But the messenger hands him the pardon signed by the governor and the official stamp is on it. The man leaps for joy. Tears of gratitude run down his face. And the messenger says, I'm not through yet. I've brought you the pardon, the purse of gold, the deed, and the royal robe, which are yours in addition to your pardon. 
By this example, we see that these are the all things that God has given to us in Christ, his son, not just a pardon, not just a a fire insurance policy to keep us from hell and damnation, but far more than that. He gave us Christ, his only begotten son. And with these all things, nothing can defeat the Christian, whether he or she be young or old. All things, all things are given to us. Verse 3, chapter 1, 2 Peter. God has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. The way I can escape the awful sins in the world every day and all day every day is by partaking of God's nature, Christ's nature, and letting Christ live through me. Lay hold of the great and precious promises that by these, that is the precious promises, these great and precious promises, you might be partakers of the divine nature. You see, I and you share the very nature of God. Everyone doesn't have the nature of God. The divine nature is not in every man. His image is not on all mankind. Well, it is in a marred condition. It's on all of us because we were created in Christ, in God's image. And indeed, I believe Christ as the creator created us in his image. But... We are marred in our attempt to be in the image of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 7 talks about that. But an atom of Christ is better than none. An atom of God is better than none. So we're marred in our visage. We do not look as we should nor as we will look when we're in Christ, when we've come to faith in Christ. We're dead, we're lifeless, apart from Christ. We have no way of having the divine nature, not in ourselves, not in our flesh. And so it is that when we consider what God has done for us, those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus Christ, then we have that divine nature within us. It's a wonderful truth. It, that is, the divine nature of God becomes ours only when the divine Savior, Jesus Christ, becomes our own. And this wonderful truth is for you and for me and for all who would believe in Jesus Christ. So we go from being dead and being lifeless to having the very life in Christ that we need. So this should help us take courage when we remember that Christ is in us. The divine nature is within us. The exceeding great and precious promises are before us and yet to come. 
We ought to go straight ahead and fear absolutely nothing, according to verse 4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. The divine nature which God has given us should be shown in everyday life. Every day, as a Christian, we should show the practices of Christ. That's everything that Christian character is, is just being a Christian day by day. It's no more or no less than the practice of Christian virtue. If we turn to Galatians 5, we find that Christian virtues are only the fruit of the Spirit. And so let's go to Galatians and turn to chapter 5. And we see here where Paul is writing to the church at Galatia. And he gives all sorts of the works of the flesh of their horrible things. But in verse 22, the fruit of the Spirit is given. It's love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. And Paul writes and says, against such there is no law. And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the spirit this christian life these christian virtues are the fruit of the spirit as presented here in galatians chapter 5 getting back to second peter chapter 1 we ask you the question that if you are a partaker of the divine nature, if you are in Christ, do others know that you're a Christian by your actions, by the way you look, by the way you act, by the way you respond to people? You uh, may remember that Peter was by a fire the night that Jesus Christ had been taken. And there was a very young lady there who recalled that Peter had been with Jesus. Peter cursed. He was a sailor of sorts, a fisherman by trade, and he had the language of such, and he used it. The crowd picked him out by his accent, according to Mark 14, 66 through 71. He gave himself away by a word. Later, rulers picked him out as a companion of Jesus by his appearance and talk. The world recognizes us, us in exactly the same way, just as that young girl, just as the crowd, just as the leaders. The world recognizes us. There's something about a person and our whole bearing of us as a person that proclaims us 
as a companion of Jesus Christ if we have been and if we are. Although God gives us a changed divine nature, he wants us to do our part in developing this priceless gift. Look at verse 5 and following in 1 Peter, excuse me, 2 Peter chapter 1. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge temperance, to temperance patience, and to patience godliness, and to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore the rather, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, ye shall never fall, for so an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We are sharers in the very life of God. Therefore, we should press on to possess more. God tells us to add one grace to another. Grace upon grace. There are some who say that chapter 1 of Second Peter is the math chapter of the Bible. There's multiplication in verse 2, where we're told that grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. There's addition in verse 5, where we are told, and besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue and to virtue knowledge. And there's also subtraction, if you're looking at mathematics, in verse 9. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. That's subtraction. So we have multiplication, we have addition, and we have subtraction. I want to spend a little more time in chapter 1. I thought I would be on to chapter 2, but in our next session. Hopefully we will come back to chapter 1 for just a few more minutes. One commentator has said there's seven steps going up from faith, and the last one of those steps is love. The steps are the Christian virtues that every Christian should have. They're also called the fruit of the Spirit. So when you are coming up the ladder, if you will, or up the steps, you need to do so slowly and thoughtfully and to see where you are in your growth. We're to add to our faith virtue. We are to add to virtue knowledge. Then add self-control, patience, then godliness, brotherly kindness, and then love. 
This is the result of our precious faith. And it ends, winds up with, love. The fuller the measure of these virtues, the greater will be our knowledge of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Know Christ, for to know him is life eternal, and in none other is there salvation. Acts 4.12 makes that very plain. So, how's your faith? How's your virtue? How's your knowledge? How's your self-control? How's your patience? How's godliness in your life? How's your brotherly love? Or brotherly kindness, I should say. And then the question at the end is, how is your love. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is the Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bluntville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Bumpville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.